everyone. Welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 21, Pursue the Perfect Marriage. Yes, we are on chapter two of Francis and Lisa Chan's, Francis and, I don't know, I added a couple S's in there, or C's, <laughs> or I don't know, of the book You and Me Forever, which is a marriage-focused book, but hopefully we're going to be talking about concepts that are not only for people who are married, uh, including things like instant pots and stranger things i got several i got some recipes this wow. week nice and, uh, you'll have to pass those along i will have to pass them <laughs> along to your wife and yeah. everyone else it's i was talking to someone it's like the hatchimole for moms it's like the <laughs> it's like gigapets i don't know what's i remember that my little one. ponies yeah. it's yeah. something fancy tickle, patch dolls. Patch, yeah. <laughs> tickle me elmo yeah is that still cool i need one <laughs> probably um, not for moms it's kind of hilarious uh but i actually I just have to say something to those of you who come to me like secretly or openly and be like, I listen to your podcast. I love you. I love hearing <laughs> things. We all love hearing it. So because if you listen to us or read our stuff, you're a special person <laughs> in a good way <laughs> because you're like, I like to talk about random things and I like to go deep. Or at least that's my perception of you because that's my perception of myself. Matt, you looked like you had to say something funny. No, I was just going to say, well, it would take a very special person to... <laughs> To willingly submit themselves mm. to, to our conversation. So. I don't know. You're in our club. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. So thank you for, yeah. for telling us. We'd like to hear it. Um, but I also want to take a second. If you are a new listener, this is episode 21. I feel like we're grownups. We can drink now or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lori, why can't we get back to that? <laughs> Unless you were in Germany, then you could drink after episode, what, 16, 18? Like, yeah. 10, yeah. 11. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa, now, I'm whoa. sorry. I'm, here comes the emails. Okay, <laughs> but why are we doing this podcast? Why do we keep talking about sexuality and marriage? Um, so the this tagline is how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And I did a lot of introspection over the like holiday break with Matt's official leaving of the ministry, even though you're still very involved and maybe even more so involved in the like speaking pieces uh, and in the podcast are still here, but it's just the counseling is not with us anymore. Um, but I was thinking, what is it that HIMH does? Whole in my heart is what HIMH stands for. Um, but there's three main goals. And one is to destigmatize the sexuality conversation and specifically the LGBT conversation in the church. So destigmatize. No, that's not a real word, but whatever. Two is to train people to look inside their own hearts and actions before they look at the hearts and actions of another. And the third piece is to equip the church to journey alongside someone wrestling with sexuality of any variety. So destigmatize, look at your own self and then to equip. So I hope that's like why, like if you see me post things, I'm not only posting about sexuality, I'm posting things that are like gospel that are hopefully going to lay us all out equally. Because if we're looking in our own hearts, no matter what we wrestle with, and we see that I'm the same, Matt's the same, Steve's the same, whoever the greatest stereotype in your head is the same, it's going to be less judginess and we're going to be more open um, to caring for each other in real life. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what was the question of the week from last week? I think it should have been, what's your best Instapot? Sorry. I don't even What's your best recipe, but I don't know. We're not going to do that now, except you can keep sending them to yeah, Steve. Sure. Because they're, they're rolling them out. Nice. <laughs> but the question of the week is, what is something you hope to receive from doing this book or doing this study together? Honestly, I think um, just the in the search for, for okay, what does a what does a good marriage look like? Mm. Um, you know, is, is something that, that we've been wrestling with that, mm -hmm. okay, what do we want our marriage to look like? And, 
And this book is not a traditional marriage book for right. those that, that haven't read the first chapter and had your bubble completely burst. <laughs> Real quick, like all the, I looked at some Instagram, Instagram, man, I'm doing great at the talks today. Instapots? <laughs> I know, yeah. I just kicked out Instapots. <laughs> I was looking at Amazon, nothing like Insta, uh, Amazon reviews of this book and everyone was like, this this is a, a bait and switch. Like they try and tell you one thing. They said it's about marriage and it's actually just about God and it's the best bait and switch ever. And mm-hmm. so everyone feels that way. Yeah. Continue. So anyway, and and wanting to to really look at, okay, what does a good marriage look like? I, I guess to to see marriage and to, to see our marriage specifically with, okay, how do I do this with the eternal perspective? Yeah. With not just looking at what am I going to get out of this life? You know, what, what is this marriage going to do and how can I keep it, you know, envisioning and the focus on the next life as well? Absolutely. For me, we interact a lot just in walking with people and where they're at. And well, I'll just say this last week when we did chapter one, you know, and I was pretty newly exposed to the book that day. (laughs) <laughs> a bunch of us were spending the day in prayer for some marriages that are like in crisis. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So it was really like God was like equipping me to have, you know, a, a whole other perspective to bring to it. Wow. Um, you know, other than some of the other, yep. you know, the books that are sort of technique and a little mm-hmm. bit formulaic, you mm-hmm. know, where I've had, well, so-and-so says that if you just do, and then she just will. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Boom. this is much more, you know, let's zoom out and yes. look at. Yeah, well, what well, we talked about last week. So just having more of that kind of tools to be able to walk with people mm-hmm. is what I'm hoping to get from it. Love it. Well, and I just keep thinking about your word for the year of discipleship. Right. And so you are being like a disciple maker mm-hmm. and like even how you're like a little hesitant about this book. And so I don't know. I'm yeah. here. I'm just affirming what you're saying yeah. as far as God's provision for you and for all of us in mm-hmm. this moment. Thanks, Francis <laughs> um, and Lisa. I think one giant thing I'd love to take away from this is similar to you, Matt, but to be more of a champion of marriage um, as a way that the gospel can work itself out. I, I've, and at this writing of this, this was a few days ago, I was like, I feel kind of neutral about it. Like, you know, I'd listen to people if they're like, I'm considering marriage. And I think a lot of millennials in general are jaded. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, I looked you know, even before we got married in early years. And even now I can look at marriages and just be like, oh, is there anybody who's like happy and like in real life? And so I love hearing, I don't love hearing that your wife is an idol. That's probably not great. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, they're they're happy. Like, mm-hmm. that's really great. And so for me, I, I would like to hear more of that. And I want to be one of those people that's like, yeah, for sure it's hard, but also gr- this is a way that the gospel works itself out. And if you're single, that's a way. And this is how we can all be one. So I like to walk away with that. Let's go to Goofball Island, though. I think we need to take a car because of the topic. So some sort of like skidding car or something. I'm, I'm sure you could find that. <laughs> okay. It, it's like 42 degrees in Michigan. And we're just going to keep giving you weather updates every sure. time on the podcast. Because yeah. mm-hmm. why not? Um, I like seriously walked out of the office just now. And I was like, it's Florida. It's super warm. I'm on a vacation. It's like sleeting still. It's gross. I don't care. It's warm. Okay. But I want to talk about snow and the type of driver you are in the snow. There's several types of snow drivers. Now, there's one that's the grandma or grandpa. 
<laughs> Stereotypically, I'm sorry mm-hmm. if you are a grandma or grandpa, and y- you I am. are. Yeah. So, see, I just totally stereotyped <laughs> I'm so you. so offended. <laughs> so I am uh, that sort of driver. Um, but we'll get more into that. The truck driver who thinks God made the snow for him or her to show off. So these are the people who are like, I'm driving a solid 40 <laughs> in the, <laughs> and like on the expressway and freaking out because I don't want to like crash. And then these are the ones that are like tail me and they're like, I picture them honking. They're probably not, but I picture them honking and I'm like looking in the rear view like I'm going to die. And so they really like it. And I said in our notes, see also the ditch. So I'm just saying often they end up in the ditch or the I'm a parent, so I shouldn't drive too fast, but it's kind of fun to be a bit dangerous. And I think I might be sitting with a couple of them. (laughs) What? (laughs) It is pretty amazing. I will just say it is pretty amazing how many like four wheel drive, all wheel drive vehicles we have up here. And like the weekend of the first kind of big ice or snow. Yeah. So many of those vehicles are in the ditch. Yeah. Because they're like, my car was made for this. Overconfident. Yeah. 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 Matt, what kind of driver are you? Um, Well, I think you outed me already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, I am not a... A grandma, grandpa, stereotypically. I'm not driving 40. And I think on the way home from our New Year's celebration in Lansing, you looked over <gasps> yeah! at the you looked over at the speedometer. And you're like, Matt, you're going 80, and I'm like, what? 85. I think it was 80. No, it was it was 80. I was not doing 15 over, over the speed limit. You need to calm down. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll slow down. And it wasn't like snowy. But um, there is a sense of like I'm a pretty pretty confident driver. Uh-huh. I don't typically tail people. No, you're not. But but yeah. I, you know, so I'm definitely that. I, I like to to go a little fast, but I am also a parent, mm-hmm. and so I'm at least aware <laughs> of of usually aware of my desire to go a little fast. Oh yeah. And I do love if I mean if there's an empty parking lot somewhere and a and the snow and slush, I I would love to go do some power slides yep. and do some donuts yep. and and all that kind of stuff. And Lori is not no at all into that. Mm. She's like, let me out. I'm going to go sit in the uh, Starbucks and drink a coffee and you can get, you know, busted and have a ticket or whatever. <laughs> Although I will give props to my dad because when I turned 16, it was snowy because my birthday is in January. And he was like, OK, Lori, you need to learn how to drive in the snow. And so he took me to a parking lot and he like had me like skid and mm. floor it. And yeah. he's like, here's how you recover. So was, mm. thanks, Dad. Wow. Uh, okay, so yes, I think I probably am, although I like to think of myself as, well, I'm a sensible driver. I drive appropriate for the conditions. Uh, I, I think I have that thing in me that's yeah. like, oh, this is fun. And I happen to, I didn't plan this, but I happen to have a vehicle with rear wheel drive, pretty Mm-hmm. beefy horsepower uh-huh. and so i i do the power slides i mean I, it's like tokyo drift you know yeah, a lot of I times i was just gonna say fast and the furious yes mm-hmm. is your heart rate's going up net right now thinking about it <laughs> like to get a, a monitor yeah. the great thing about the snow is that you don't have to you know like have that much power and those kinds of tires you can kind of feel that drift even just because it's this ice and snow that's carrying you yeah yeah, yeah. oh i love it Okay, I, I want to out my California state where we live for only a few years. I'm just not ready to talk serious stuff yet. So I remember <laughs> when we first moved there and I was like, what is with all the drivers? Which is not all of them. I love you, my friends. I hear you. I hear you listening. But I was like, I asked one of them, I was like, so do they teach defensive driving in California? And they're like, 
what's that? And they gave us a blank stare. Like, like are you what? crazy? Huh. And I was like, no, like defensive driving. Like you want to make sure like you don't crash. And they'd be like, no, because stereotypically Californians, maybe it's just on the coast, they tail each other. And yeah. it's just like, it doesn't oh, matter where you're going. Really? You're getting there first. And it's, mm. e- it's pretty much everyone. You're just like, that's how you drive your car. And I remember staring at like a really busy street. And I'm like, I wish it would be a giant snowstorm right now. And this is very <laughs> sinful. This is not <laughs> sanctified, Lori speaking. But I was like, what would happen? Because they don't, they tail each other and they crash into each other, yeah. but then they would learn. Right. <laughs> I will teach you with a 700 car pilot. I just want to comment on this. I, I feel like there may be a counterpoint and that is what? Maybe we're the weird ones. Maybe. Like Midwesterners, because I've been also like on the East Coast, uh-huh. New York, New Jersey, yeah. and there's a little more aggressiveness. Plus, mm-hmm. I've been to Mexico. I've been to a country in Africa, and it's like That's every man for himself. Yeah, they man. don't even it have is. roads, and they are right. going nuts. It, yeah, it really is like just dog eat dog. Are so we, it could be that maybe we're just the weird ones. Yeah. Oh no, I'm having a moment now. <laughs> Can we just send all of our drivers ed people to the rest of the world? Send them as little drivers yeah. ed missionaries. There you go. Teach yes. them how to drive defensively, so I can be peaceful spread, in my heart. Here's, spread the good news of defensive, cons- yes. yet kind driving. I'm going to speak a little stereotypically, but I mean, Canada. Yeah. Is known for being like obscenely nice. polite. True. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I don't, that's kind of an oxymoron, but you know, <laughs> are we, are, is the Midwest like the Canada of drivers? Like wow. just like oh, waving it, people in. Oh, sorry. That's true. Yeah. Waving. Nobody waves at each other in California. Do they, in the East Coast? Well, they either? wave something, no. just yeah. not all five yeah, fingers. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, oh, go ahead. Thanks for letting me in the like wave. Yep. And I was like, no, no wave. Yeah. <laughs> are we just... Crazy nice people, we're, we're like the, crazy. We're the Canadians of drivers. I think. You're onto something there. All Unless right. Canadian drivers are really, really polite, and then they're just like, "No, you're not. You don't yeah. even know. Right. You're terrible." All right, <laughs> I feel right. sufficiently goofed. Thank you guys. I need right. some some strange, yeah, out thereness. <laughs> okay, now we're gonna d- drive away like a grandma, or so, I just ki- sorry, grandmothers. I love you. Yeah, I'm a 40 That's my mph. Little, my little <laughs> horn. The trucker is going. Anyway, That's sorry. me. I need one. You have a bicycle. Uh, yeah. Bing, bing. Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay. Those were not bought sound effects. No. Shockingly. Um, okay. Heart of the matter. Uh, so the overall, I'm just going to kind of refocus the book. We talked about it, um, but just how this is more than just about your marriage. Matt, you did a really great job saying, well, both of you about like what you want to get out of it. Really. It's just like, how, how can we be hopeful in our marriages and how can we make this about something greater than just this one relationship? Um, so this chapter specifically focused on the gospel and how the purpose of marriage is to demonstrate how we die to ourselves and find life. And so our marriages, I really liked this, like all of our lives are supposed to make Jesus look attractive. I keep thinking about that over and over. And like, when I think about our marriage and how people say like, that's crazy, that's impossible. I feel like I have more confidence after reading this saying like, yeah, it is impossible. And isn't that awesome? <laughs> like <laughs> that God, that our death to self makes it possible because that's what Jesus is inside of us doing this. I don't know. I just felt less like shame. Like, oh, mm. I know. Isn't this terrible? But it's like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, that God wants to have an intimate relationship with us. That's impossible. Yeah. And I feel like 
what really spoke to me was the piece about the Holy Spirit, mm. God living in us. That mm. is what makes the impossible possible, you know, and it's just crazy to think we take it for granted because maybe we grew up with it or, mm. you know, whatever. But this idea of God leaving himself, this piece of himself, his spirit in us. And that's how we're able to carry, continue to carry out the mission of Jesus, Yes, you know, in our marriage or wherever. That's how the impossible mm-hmm. is made possible. I'm going to read a paragraph on yeah. that because I highlighted it from this is page 54. Um, and it says, if the spirit of God is really inside of us, then his power will be obvious in our marriages. I'm tired of reading new statistics that show no difference between Christian marriages and non-Christian marriages. The solution doesn't come through trying harder or implementing the right strategies. It comes through the Spirit's power gushing out of our hearts, into our marriages, and into every aspect of our lives. I, I've been meditating on Romans 8, which is exactly what you're talking about, how it's like you, we have the Spirit of the same... The, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead yeah. lives in us. And I just, mm-hmm. we like sing that like same power <laughs> didn't like yeah. swing. And I'm like, N- no, like Jesus, the Holy spirit is in us, giving us the power to do anything that should blow our minds. Yeah. Yeah. I actually highlighted a similar piece when the, the verse, when Jesus says, you know, I tell you the truth, it's your advantage that I go away, you mm-hmm. know, but if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send him to you. And, and I think if it was, I can't remember if it was this chapter or the previous one where it was like the sense of, we don't often picture God in the room with us, hmm. you know? And so some people are like, oh, I would have loved to have seen, you know, Jesus and actually be able to interact with him when in, in the in New reality, Testament. It's, yeah. yeah. When in reality, it's like, God's not only in the room, he is in us. He is yep. literally closer than our very breath. He hmm. knows the innermost parts of our being. Yeah. And that that's something that I don't often dwell on. And, mm-hmm. and so there, there were a lot of highlights in this chapter for me. Um, but, but that was definitely one of them, this idea that, holy cow, like we're sitting here in this, you know, in this room and it's not just the three of us there. Yeah. Like, God is also here, mm-hmm. not just next to us, but internally in all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So, I mean, that part was really, really exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. It just changes everything. It just like flips it inside out and upside down. And then you're like, why am I complaining? Like what? Yeah. I I loved another part too, just um, how he talks about how in Ephesians five, like it's this great mystery. And I've, um, I've talked with people who are like, yes, isn't marriage this great mystery? And he's like, no, the great mystery is that God himself is unified. He's one inside mm-hmm. of us. That's the great mystery. And that, um, like to me, when people like they like, they'll ask about like the mystery of like attraction or chemistry. And, um, and even at the same time I've heard, and I might've alluded to this last week, but I've heard like joking about that, like how it's kind of like this great con that God does. And it's mm-hmm. like how men and women, they like, you so love each other before. And then after like, Ew. And I'm, I'm just looking and I was like, man, when, when Matt and I got married, we chose it. We didn't know all the things, but we did know this is not about us. This is about, um, a heart connection. This is about friendship and this is about God. And very, I feel like level a, like one Oh one of that. This book is like four Oh one. Um, and, and I don't know where we're at in real life mm-hmm. now. So so when people talk about it and joke about it, especially like, isn't it this great cosmic joke? Then you're stuck together. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm Almost like, Almost like romance is the hook. Yes. Or something like exactly that. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, isn't it funny how hormones just get you to get married? And I, I just, I don't laugh at all. And I'm like, 
Yeah. And I remember to be quite vulnerable, blunt with you. I, I remember like hearing about, I heard that even before we got married and when I was in my same sex relationship and I was like, huh, I'm a superior creature to all of these jokers <laughs> who got in these opposite gendered relationships because we get along and, um, and there's no like bait and switch as far as like, I understand girls. I don't understand guys. So fast forward now to what this great mystery is. And, and I'm still wrestling through this, but like, why is it male and female? And like, when I make it big picture to this great mystery of God wanting to be one, I'm like, okay, well, who is God? God is both male and female. Like he has both characteristics and it is only in this impossible yet possible with Christ co-mingling of Matt and I mm. like that, th that represents God. Mm. And then taking our marriage and being another co-mingling of souls with the church. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I do think that it's true that, in any relationship, yeah. there is kind of an enchantment phase. You mm -hmm. know, there is oh, yeah. kind of like, it's yeah. just fun. It's easy. We're friends, you yeah. know? And yeah. then as things, you know, as you go deeper with each yep. other, yep. you run into stuff. And yeah. so you've got to work that out. So yep. I'm, I'm, I guess I want to just say that, you know, the romance upfront thing yeah. and the bait and switch, I do yeah. think that that mindset comes from a, a jaded, cynical kind of yeah. view of relationships. Yes. At the same time, there it, it is true that yep. there's uh, seasons where it's easy and seasons yeah. where it's hard. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and we did see that too, didn't we? Well, well, yeah, we did. And I, I think, you know, even, even go, like the, there is a shift, like it's not a bait and switch, but there is a shift like mm. you. And if your goal always remains, like I will be having butterflies and you right. know, rainbows whenever I look at this person, like, yeah, that can feel like a bait and switch. But one of the things that's been hitting me is that we often look at marriage as this ultimate thing and not as a tool that God is using to like an earthly tool that God is using to describe a heavenly reality. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that really stood out to me was um, when, when Francis was talking about, uh, you know, kind of from God's perspective, if you imagine him as the, as the bridegroom, um, and us as the bride. And I, I, you know, I can think back to my wedding day and remembering Lori walking down the aisle in our crazy gymnasium wedding where it was like so low key and ridiculous, but Lori like was us. the highlight for me. <laughs> like, I mean, just incredibly beautiful. Hmm. And there was this, this point where, where Francis made that, let that sink in. God uses marriage to hmm. describe not just you know, the communion that he has in himself, but how he feels about you, like that you are so beautiful to him. You're not just like not disgusting. You are right. like astoundingly beautiful right. to him. And not neutral. Yeah, I, not yes. neutral. Like, like a very, like he desires you. And that, mm. that is the, that's the image. Like God uses earthly marriage to describe how he feels about you. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, this sense of, and I don't often feel that way. I often feel so inadequate right. when it comes, especially in my relationship with, well, ultimately with myself. But if I can look at myself and say, wow, God thinks I am incredibly beautiful. That means I don't have to put the pressure on Lori to just tell me every day that I'm incredibly <laughs> beautiful, which I know you do a great job of, hon. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you're better with words than I am, but, you know, but still, you could not say that enough. And if I'm looking at you to meet my need, then somehow I'm, I'm just not allowing God to meet the need that he was 
supposed to meet, that he created me for him to meet in me, if yeah. that makes sense. Well, and it's just reminding me, thank you for saying, I love how you say things. I yeah. It just makes me think about it. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But like the book of Hosea, um, I've started another marriage book because again, I'm studying this like crazy right now. Um, sacred marriage. Oh, I thought you were talking about the book of Hosea. I'm like, that's not a, that's Sorry. a terrible marriage. He book. refers to the book of Hosea. That's where I'm coming. And he talks about how like in there, God says, I no longer will you call me master. Like he's not even, even though he could be like mm-hmm. master and be like, get in line. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to use fear and intimidation to get us to do things. He's like, I want you to love me. Like I want this intimacy and um, this connection of the heart, like this, this commingling of souls, which is represented by marriage marriage. Um, I heard this great quote this week. I was listening to a podcast by Dr. Julie Slattery, Authentic Intimacy. And she talks about like, why are we sexual beings? Again, studying this like crazy right now. And she says, um, there will be no sex in heaven, but what's so neat about sex on earth in marriage is that it's a metaphor. And why will we need the metaphor when we got the real deal in Mm. heaven? And so that just, doesn't that blow your mind to be like, oh my word, that's, we have no concept of what heaven's going to be like. (laughs) Right. But it's so neat that God gave us a metaphor. Okay. Here's a question though. So as we're talking about this, I want to think about my single friends. So how, how does this apply to, to our single friends? Like Mm -hmm. how, so here we're talking about marriage and how it's this metaphor. Like how can we be more inclusive? I guess, I don't even know if it's in our marriages or or what's that look like? What's that mean? Well, I mean, this is going to be a roundabout way of addressing that because this is the, I guess the issue or the question on, on my mind, typically when we talk about marriage, you know, marriage issues, marriage struggles, there's this idea that it takes two to tango. All right. So I can get all of my ducks in a row. And if the other person doesn't, then I'm kind of stuck. Right. You know? Are you saying other person in marriage? Y- y- or right. Single people? Right. Okay. Right, yep. Right. Yep. Um, so I'll get to the single people thing. Okay. Because this is the quote that I want, another quote that I highlighted. Every person has the choice to think and act and respond in the light of the gospel. It's true that a marriage can fail because of one person's refusal to do this. Hmm. But it's also quite possible for a marriage to thrive because of only one person's commitment to do this. Ultimate victory Hmm. is knowing that you have honored Christ at any cost and your conscience is at rest in his presence. And what he's getting at is don't discount the work of the Holy Spirit that God works miracles, yeah. you know, and that he loves us. Yeah. All right. So whatever uh, I'm kind of feeling like I can only do so much, I'm, I'm dependent on other people doing their part. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're removing God from the equation. Mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. I feel like um, in the single person realm, you know, if you're content there, great. If you're longing for something more, uh, but it's not up to you, you can trust God. He loves you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Again, that goes back to Hosea. Like you, we, and I know single people are like, I'm married to Jesus, but like, oh my word, like he's, he's marrying all of us. Yeah. Like that you get to experience that intimacy. And like Paul says, like all the pain, some of that we're talking about the pain in marriage and the like, Matt and I talked about after this weekend, we're like, where'd our weekend go? And we're like, Ugh, talking about marriage. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can we stop talking about marriage? <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> because we're like, we just want to have fun and, um, you know, get along with people. And so I just think about that's those conversations wouldn't have happened if we weren't married. And so I, I don't, I don't, I can't begin to speak for a single person's life, but what you're saying is, oh my word. 
God marries us. That's yeah. nuts. And that's not just like, oh, married to Jesus, but like, oh, you get that commingling of souls without some of the yuck of marriage. Mm. Well, we'd like to hear from you actually on that. If you are someone who is not married, just like if you're listening to this, we'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that and mm. any any additional um, feedback that you can give us. And maybe we'll have you on the podcast. I don't know. Um, any other thoughts that you all had on this chapter? Anything that stood out? Uh, I will say I was challenged a little. Francis and Lisa talk about how when they were thinking about doing a marriage book, they were like, we got to start with do you have the Holy spirit in you mm-hmm. are, you know, like yes. outside of Christ, these concepts aren't going to make sense. Yep. They're not going to do you any good. You got to start there. But he says, um, as someone who has the Holy spirit in him, I don't convince myself to serve him. I'm compelled to serve him. It's like, I can't help, but love people and sacrifice for the poor. It's a desire within me to do these things. And the actions flow from every yes. fiber of my being. I hate lust. I hate pride. I hate hate. And I don't even try to. And I was like, gulp. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't it, like. That it naturally comes out. Right. Of him. Yeah. I, I know that as a child of God, that the deepest desires of my heart resonate with that. Right. But I don't feel like it I know. flows. So I was really challenged to kind of just look at, again, like what kind of disciple am I, you know, and not in a self-hating way, mm-hmm. but just like, okay, Lord, work with me here, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. couldn't get that quote out of my head either. Cause yeah. I was like, because I almost wanted to challenge him on it. Because he's like, right. I, I am, this is not, that that sin stuff of me is not me. What is mm-hmm. me is I hate hate. I hate lust. And I was like, how can he say that with just like, this is the sentence I'm saying. I hate this. Because I would probably say like the spirit in me, right. blah, 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 blah. Right. When I'm in my good days, like do all these <laughs> caveats, you know. Yeah. But to be like, this is what's true. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, oh, mm-hmm. I totally relate. Well, and, and kind of to go from that, I think it was Lisa that wrote it, but you know, quoting Hebrews 12, three through four, when it says, you know, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood, Mm. you know, and, and ultimately that's what we're called to do when it comes to our own sinful nature, when it comes to our own desires, like we are supposed to resist to the point of death. Mm. And that's not easy. Mm. You know, that's a picture of Christ on the cross and, um, and he set the example. And so when I'm looking at, you know, Lori, and I'm saying, oh, I really wish you hadn't have, you know, said that or wouldn't call me out or this way, or I wish you would do this. And why isn't my, you know, why don't I have my spaghetti and meatballs ready when I get home from work? Like, oh yeah. Cause he's really like that. <laughs> not, no, he's not. Because she doesn't have an instant pot. Yeah. She doesn't I, have an instant pot. Honey, the one thing, <laughs> one. my hatchimal for adults. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Anyway, but like when I, when I start to feel like that sense of entitlement, be like, no, the only thing I am entitled to is to suffer to the point of my own death, mm-hmm. you know, yep. to, to fight my own inclination for selfishness to the point of my own death. And obviously that's not easy, but that is what I'm called to do. And I, I think that in order to be not even just married people, in order to be Christian, mm. that is what you're called to do, married or otherwise. So that's a really great lead into the last section I'd like to talk about. So they ask these really terrible, wonderful, reflective questions at the end. Yeah. And um, one of them is, how should the gospel transform your marriage? So really like practically, and Matt, you kind of just touched on that. So like, no, like St. Lori, get me my slippers, woman. And <laughs> just kidding. He's not like that at all. Um, but how, if the, if we really got it, if we got how the gospel is like 
ripping us apart in a good way and, and encouraging us at the same time. I don't want to just talk about just the suffering, but like the, oh my word, we're married to God. That's nuts. Um, how, how would it make your marriage look? Very much like what Matt just said. And we've talked about it in previous episodes of the podcast that there is this uh, mystery yeah. that um, we see Paul talk about in the New Testament that he he's elated to suffer, to yeah. to associate with Jesus in his sufferings mm-hmm. like that brings him joy, yeah. you know, and I think that we run from suffering, you mm-hmm. know, like like crazy. Yeah. And yet um, I believe that we're to lay down. We're to lay. I'm to lay down my life for my wife like Jesus. And that in doing that, I might be surprised at the joy I find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would a laying down your life look like? Like, well, it could be something as basic as starting the car for her, scraping off her windshield, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be that I listen without intention to fix, but just empathize yeah. when she's struggling with whatever mm-hmm. from her day. Yeah. You know, I mean, basic things like that, mm-hmm. but also denying myself and my desires mm-hmm. and really putting her desires above mine and having the eyes to see mm-hmm. the person she could be in eternity. You know, yeah. I think that's the ultimate so goal. Good. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little, a little pushback, Steve, Okay. you know, cause you say laying down your own desires for her desires. And I, as a counselor, that is not always a good thing. Right. Um, it's more for her need because sometimes my desire is to meet Lori's desire. So I don't have to deal with any ramifications negatively. <laughs> like honestly, yeah. you know, when, when we, when we've been in counseling, my natural tendency is to, when my pain gets hurt, I, I become super like sub, not subservient while well, subservient might be the right word. But like super accommodating, like I look so nice on the outside, but it's truly just an avoidance mechanism. And sometimes that can feel very, very self-sacrificial. But in reality, it would be more of a sacrifice for me to, to honestly look at my wife or my coworker or someone in the face and say like, wow, that is not what you need, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to actually I, I risk. Yeah, to to risk actually giving, I, I don't want to say a rebuke, that might be too strong, but like saying truth and, you know, having the courage to step in and be like, actually, I don't think that's correct. Here's what the Bible says. Right. Here's here's the truth of it. And, and that takes courage. That doesn't, yeah. So I don't think it's just as easy like, oh, I will just serve her mm. or him, you know, blindly and give in to, to what they want because that honestly is not service. It might be easy. It might feel good. You might, you know, get a pat on the back from them later, but, but ultimately in the long term for sanctification and glory to God, like that is not always the right answer. Yeah. And I've seen that you, since our marriage counseling sessions, um, I've seen you do that more like stand up to me because I'm pretty strong (laughs) woman. Um, and there's times where I'm like, Whoa, but if we're both seeking God, it's easier for me to receive it. And then I respect you even more from it. Um, it doesn't always feel good Mm -hmm. and it probably doesn't feel good for you, but Mm. I, I feel it's like, it's like, it is iron sharpening iron. I feel Mm -hmm. that. Um, I think for me, probably piggybacking on that is if the gospel, if I really got this and saw it and like, man, I want to have God's eyes for you. Okay, I really hate gender stereotypes so much and I but I think I almost my dislike of gender stereotypes 
has almost become an idol in some ways because I'm like, well, no, then I won't do that. If that's what all the girls, women do, they all make the dinner and they all do that. Then no, then I'll do the opposite, which is just defiance and gross and self-centered. Um, and so as I was picturing it, I was like, oh my word, I'd probably really want to make dinner more. And I, I like, seriously, this is this, and I do, but like, I would want to serve Matt. I literally cannot outserve Matt. He is constantly serving our family. And again, we just mentioned some of that's dysfunctional, Mm -hmm. but I, that is not my default. Mine is like, no, I'm going to like our second born was very (laughs) strong-willed and she'll just say no because she can say no, but uh, I do that. And so how, how would I, if the gospel was really refining me, I would want to serve Matt more and um, not to get any credit for it and not for any gender, anything, but because I love him and really honestly, because Jesus loves him. And so I want to be, um, I want to be Jesus. I want to show him how much Jesus loves him. Mm. Okay. So we're all on a learning curve here. Um, (laughs) this is a great chapter and I'm really looking forward to the next one. Um, and I mean, feel like even I already know what's happening in chapter seven. So stay (laughs) with us for all of it because it just, um, hopefully will minister to you all as well. And again, if you are, um, not married, if you're in a community life, uh, as a single person, we'd love to hear from you too. And just some of what we're saying, how that's impacting you. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, but our question of the week is actually a question from Francis and Lisa, um, at the end of their chapter. And he said, what's one way you saw Jesus do something for you? Like this whole romance, like with God. And I want to ask you guys too, if it's weird to feel like you're married to Jesus as a dude. I want to ask, talk about that a little bit next week because I've thought about that and I've actually been asked that. And so anyway, I would like to hear that. Um, but what's one way you've seen Jesus, I guess, kind of like showing himself to you this week and maybe even like romancing you. So we'd love to hear from you, the listener, um, or if you just want to send more recipes, that's cool. <laughs> or to argue with me about stranger things, that's fine. <laughs> all right. But um, for all of us here at the whole In My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody every day. Explore HIMHministries.com for all that Matt and Lori Krieg have to offer, including previous episodes. You can also find us, and we hope you'll subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and TuneIn. And if you'd like to answer our question of the week, or if you have any questions or suggestions, email us at podcast at HIMHministries.com.